Hey, thanks for signing up. It's the Public Beta Podcast for Saturday, August 13th, 2022. Your host this week, myself, Lee, and Reed. Hi, hello. Oh my god, Reed. It's been uh, it's been a while. It's been yeah. a while. It's been one uh, week. Since we... It's been... Uh, uh, July 24th is the last time we recorded. Yeah, I was doing B&L there. Some bare naked ladies. Oh yeah, it's been... Uh, <laughs> So that was a Sunday, and that was several, several weeks ago. Uh, COVID swept through this house like a angry shrew, and uh, yeah, what? Like a bat out of hell, like Kratos leaving Hades. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and then I was like, uh, I thought everything was going to be good, everything was going to be fine. Wife recovered, took a uh, a negative test one morning, and that's of course when I got it, and I had it for five to six days. Lost my scent, lost my taste. Uh, only really one bad day of fevering, uh, where it's like, oh shit, I got like 103 fever. I got a, this is this is this is serious shit. But then the rest of the week was just, you know, you're coughing up stuff. You got uh, the sniffles, sometimes a headache, uh, and it's just more annoying at that point to uh, to stay isolated. But hey, Reed, it's 2022, and I remember back in the day, uh, the. The petitioning to get... So, you know when you buy a mattress, you get a free TV? That's, like, been a thing that's existed for, for time and memoriam. Sure. Uh, so, they were giving away a TV-VCR combo, the uh, the mecca of all gifts. That was the number one thing you'd want to win on Video and Arcade Top 10 yeah. on, like, YTV. If you got the TV-VCR combo, you're like, that's going in my room, and I am the fucking coolest kid on the block. Uh, so, they were giving these away with a mattress, and it was a 17, 17 inches of pleasure. <laughs> and uh, I, I didn't want the TV. I wanted my parents to get the TV so they could bump their twelve-inch TV VCR combo to my room. I it, like this. This was like this is selfless. It's four D chess because I'm like I don't even want the big TV. I'll take the little TV. You guys get a bigger TV and a mattress, and you don't have to sleep on a waterbed anymore. Uh, this is how I remember it going down. This was decades ago. But by God, Reed, it happened, and I got that 12-inch TV. Now, I have 40-inch-plus LCDs in a storage room in my basement that don't belong to me and that I can't even use. There, I have TVs everywhere you would want a TV. I have too many TVs. Why do you have so many TVs, and why can't you use them? Uh, so, uh, my wife's parents downsized from a house to a condo, and I gained a TV through that. I gained another TV through an uncle moving. On top of just having my own TV, I, I don't buy a lot of TVs. I had the same TV for like 13, 15 years, uh, just this LCD. I just recently, last year, as we talked about on the podcast, upgraded to a 4K deal, which is now the upstairs TV. But now downstairs, I've got like a 45-inch Sony Bravia. I've got in our bedroom, a, like, this isn't meant to be a humble brag. This is meant to be the, how the fuck did this happen? How did I, how did, at a certain point, TVs just became trivial, like... <laughs> How many TVs you got? You got to have a few TVs. I have, um, so I have, like, my really good TV that I got, like, three or four years ago. Um, you know, it's, like, your 4K big TV. Um, then I have another TV I've had since I was, like, like 16 or 18. That's just, like, you know, your standard size, flat screen, fucking bring it anywhere kind of TV. Uh, then we have, like, a cheap-ass smaller TV in the closet. That's it. Yeah, so like have you have three TV, TVs. Fa- you have a TV unplugged facing the wall right now is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, in the closet, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fucked up. Anyway, so I uh, I took my PlayStation 4 Pro under my arm and went downstairs to live. 
Uh, there's a bathroom down here. There's most of the amenities I need. Unfortunately, I had to rely on my pregnant wife to bring me meals and cook stuff in the kitchen, uh, which sucks. So we ordered in quite a bit, uh, and then I lost my taste. So ordering in became Trivial. kind of a bummer. Yeah, you're, well, you still get texture, you still get uh, sweet or spicy, and now it kind of comes and goes. So I can taste things most of the time. Uh, but there'll be things like I'll, I wouldn't be able to taste chocolate, but I could taste sweet and icing. So if I ate an Oreo, I'm just tasting the middle. Oh, gross! <laughs> yeah, you don't have to. I don't have to break it in half. <laughs> it's it's more efficient. Uh, so it's in many ways, I'm like Daredevil. That's your su- uh, yeah. That's your say. superpower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can. I, I was you able know, to drink vinegar. Yeah, you know, the first day I lost my taste. You know how I drank like a cup of vinegar. You know, like in the X Men, they always highlight the mutants with the cool powers. Yeah. Like you'd be in like the back page, I'd be like, This is Lee. His mutant is that he can't taste chocolate, oh. but he can taste the cream of Oreos. Isn't there a isn't there like a, a few shots in the like OG uh, X Men movies where it shows like the other students in the class and some of them are just like Yeah, fucking weirdos like like yeah, you got the, weird fingers, you yeah. got your skin's a different cut your skin's pink. Yeah, like, this, what do you do? This one uh, guy's just blinking and turning channels, that's his power. What power was that uh Guy given that turned into a jellyfish and melted on the table. What? In the first X Men movie, his power was like governor. Or whatever oh, the fuck that guy was. they. I no. They like they. They was he was the experiment for Magneto and the crew to see if they could turn him into a mutant, and they did. And I guess his power is that he could just turn into water. Morph. It was kind of it's, X-Men 1 is a weird fucking movie. It's definitely got that weird body horror cuz he's like slipping through the bars if you remember. Dude, the like the shot of the claws coming out of Wolverine's hands. Yeah, it's like cutting his skin. It's just like bro, bro I watched how it many fucking, years of the cartoon without ever thinking about this yeah, and this it, is the first thing you show me. It fucking opens with Auschwitz. <laughs> yeah. yeah what a, that movie's got fucking balls, yeah, man. Yeah, what a movie that is. <laughs> Wolverine gets, gives Cyclops the middle finger with his claw. Yeah, so that, that shit is like you can you can see that coming from a mile away. Wolverine's trying to fuck Cyclops' lady. That's it's 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 yeah. And Mystique imitates Wolverine and acts like an amphetamine Hugh Jackman. So Hugh Jackman had to act like that, and it was you get some joy out of that. It has the Toad line, Lee. <laughs> better not, better not awaken anything in me. It has well, the, toad. the uh, what what happens when a toad gets struck by lightning or whatever. Same thing that happens to everything else. Yeah. Yeah, yes. and and Toad's like Toad's doing the dance, and he's like, "Don't you people like of all the bad X Men villains you could choose from?" They're like, "You know what? We got to get Toad in here." Toad's got that. I just needed a, a lackey, yeah, just he, a name. He's got that creep factor to him, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they got like OG Sabretooth. Yeah, like, is that a wrestler or someone? Is that someone we know? I don't know, Who, but he the... he has like a scream fetish. He's like, yeah, scream. But he can't talk because he's got those big prosthetic teeth <laughs> yeah, in his yeah. mouth. He's like, scream for me. Scream for me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And then he gets struck by lightning, too. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then like, uh, they're, they're trapped in the Statue of Liberty. Uh, and they take fucking Cyclops' visor off. And Cyclops immediately is like, Gene, blast him. <laughs> yeah. Gene's like, no, you fucking idiot. You're pointed right at my chest. <laughs> Anyway, this is the X-Men podcast now. Yeah. Those movies are fine. I like those movies. <laughs> the like the, the X-Men trilogy, quote-unquote. The, the third one's not good at all. The third one is pretty wild. It's pretty wild. I appreciate them 
exploding Charles Xavier. Yeah, that shit was I appreciate, wild. <laughs> I, and Cyclops, for that matter. I appreciate them just being like, no, body count, let's go. Yeah, and then, uh, In, like, and a Hollywood he, blockbuster movie, yeah. like, sign me, like, way before Avengers was like, we're going to kill Tony Stark because we don't want to pay Robert Downey Jr. $30 million a movie anymore. You, uh, need, you needed to blast Cyclops so he could show up in Sonic. I feel like Cyclops never got his day in those movies. I feel like he never oh, got to do anything not. fucking no, cool. No, no, no. And I think that's a very common uh, complaint about the X-Men movies up until, like, I guess kind of like the newer ones with the new cast. But, like, yeah, in, that, in those original movies, Cyclops was a fucking nobody and absolutely playing fourth fiddle to fucking uh, Wolverine. Because Brian yeah. Singer's just like, Wolverine, we gotta get we got to get Wolverine in there. At every possible chance, people should be asking, why isn't Wolverine here? Yeah, but look at 1999 Hugh Jackman and tell me that shouldn't be the thing that's on the yeah, screen I, the I most. do not disagree with his decisions. I'm just saying. <laughs> Absolutely. I yeah. remember going into that movie uh, after the previews had started, like just walked into the theater and the movie was already going, and it was the it was the Auschwitz scene. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, I, here I am at the X-Men movie. What the fuck is going on? I'm watching this kid get ripped away from his parents at a concentration camp. And Holy then he starts shit. bending the gate with his mind. Yeah, and it's I'm a like, hype. Oh, it's, we're it's, in the right place. Yeah, in, <laughs> yeah. a, in a dark and morbid way, it's a pretty hype opening. Because you're like, oh, fuck, that's Magneto. And you're like, holy shit, like, this is going to be a fucking, like, dark movie. But then they wear, like, Backstreet Boys leather outfits by the end. So, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of all over it's, the place. It has it seems a really like cool... They, s- what? Yeah. In the writing room, they were told about X-Men, and then they... You know when, like, you tell an adult or a boomer or someone who doesn't know anything about comic books about, like, Fantastic Four, and you tell them about, like, Mr. Fantastic, you're like, well, can his dick stretch? I think they had that kind of conversation in the writer's room, and then they, they used all the ideas. So they were like, when do they get their powers? It's like, oh, when they're, you know, when they're... they're hit when they're about to fuck, whatever. yeah, like, when they're about to well, have well, sex. Why, they're, yeah, it's like, why wasn't there any mutants in, like, Auschwitz? And then they wrote down that idea, and they're like, that's interesting. Well, no. And it was like, Magneto Rogue can't was touch always, people. Magneto was yeah. always a Holocaust survivor. It's just, like, really ballsy to open up your colorful, yellow-costumed X-Men movie with, like, fucking Auschwitz is all. Um, yeah. Like, it like, went harder than Captain America was. Yeah, yeah, abs- absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Like, because Captain America was like, let's do, we're going to do the fun, goofy Nazis like Hellboy does. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, so and then not except even that. in Captain America, temporarily they are the literal Nazis. Yeah, yes, kind of until they break away. But like whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, but they have some cool scenes in there. You know, remember when Magneto turns around all the guns on the cops? That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. when that when that bu- bullet's spinning in that guy's forehead, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, yes. Dude, yeah, those know. movies are fucking great. I was yeah. gonna say, but like, the, then like Rogue. Can't touch people. So they were like, oh, well, what happens if she has a boyfriend? And then they wrote that down. They put yeah, it in exactly. the movie. Yeah. But that's also the show that it, like, it typically happens in like adolescence when like during puberty. Yeah. So but I, it starts like a horror show, man. Yeah, I, that's why I said it's like a body horror movie between... Like, we see Wolverine Wolver- get into a car crash and get thrown through the front windshield yeah, before we wolf- know he's like okay. <laughs> yeah, the Wolverine. Before we know he can heal and shit. Yeah, the Wolverine claws the senator going through the bars and turning into like a fish in water. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, and then like you said, uh, what the fuck were you just talking Like, Rogue kissing this dude and like draining him and shit. Like, yeah. it's like a body horror movie. And it, it like, Full I, body I, load. I, 
I see where they're coming from because X-Men is kind of like that. It's like unwanted powers that could be both great or horrible at the same time. They, and they, then, like, uh, they of... 180 on it in the second one because they got like Iceman in there and he's like chilling your drink and making little ice ponds. Well, stuff. yeah, at the same time. But at the same time in the second one, they have like Stryker's fucked up like kid in the wheelchair and they have all those scenes of Logan like bloody in the water, like super gross, like getting his adam- adamantium skeleton and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> this is the X-Men podcast. Welcome to the X-Men podcast. So as I was saying, uh, I, I, I've taken my PlayStation downstairs. I beat Yakuza 4. I've uh, started and gotten to a good way into Yakuza 5. We'll Fuck talk yeah. about that in a moment. But while we're on the subject of movies, Reed, uh, let's give a quick shout out to Prey. It's on Fuck Hulu yeah. Plus. It's on Disney Plus, depending on your region. Uh, this is the new Predator movie. And who the fuck knew in 2022? That we could we could make one of the best Predator movies, maybe since the first movie. Yeah, uh, and all it, it took was some common sense. Yeah, so I watched <laughs> this movie, and then immediately at your at your uh, recommendation, uh, and then immediately watched uh, the original Predator, and I'm like, well, I it works for all the same reasons, and they're both still very rewatchable. The first Predator movie is absolutely still a movie that oh, kind of holds up. 100%. Uh, the the characters and the dialogue are so goofy and like alien now. Like the like Jesse Ventura's character is just he's just a quip machine. Yeah, like he has no personality I, other than I look like this and I say lines like this. Yeah, like my favorite thing about that movie is how uh, everybody always remembers the line of Jesse Ventura saying, "I ain't got time to bleed," but they never yeah. ever remember the line after that where the guy just goes. Okay, because he knows that's fucking stupid as shit if you're already bleeding. <laughs> yeah, Billy's great, original yeah. Predator. But let's not talk about the original Predator. Let's talk no, about let's this talk about Prey. Predator. Yeah. Uh, it's set in like the 1700s. 1716, I think. Oh, wow, look at that. Uh, yeah. We we have some uh, Aboriginal peoples. I believe this is in... The Comanche uh, tribe. Okay, so we're in the we're in the across state lines here. We're, uh, no, we're, yeah, we're in the southern uh, plains of the United States, I believe. Yeah, so there's fr- there's fr- like Louisiana, like there's like French Not trappers Louisiana. in the movie. I don't think it's like oh, maybe like Louisiana, or like yeah. lower down, de- lower down. De- our our geographies. Yeah, but the awful. the French trappers would be coming from Canada actually towards this uh, time period, I believe. Well, I'm so. trying to think if you're saying it's in the southern United States, I'm like, well, there's there's French southern plains though, so it would be, it'd be more like French places down there. I want to yeah. say it's more like you know like the mid area of. Sure. The United States probably. In any and, case, you yeah. got mountains, you got you got the woods, nature. It's olden times, and as far as we're concerned, when the movie starts, uh, we are just dealing with like like a, a native tribe to the area, right? Yes. Uh, girl w- wakes up with uh, uh, war paint on, uh, which was my first comment. I'm like, man, I wouldn't sleep with that stuff on. That's got to be. Well, you're not your native American, American Lee. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I. Well, yeah, I guess not. But I, I thought it was. Yeah, she, she's ready to go. She wants to hunt. She's throwing axes into trees. Uh, and basically, wh- what do we have here? We have just daily life, basically. Uh, there's there's a bit of a focus on a lion that is in their territory, so they want to go kill this fucking lion so it doesn't try to steal their children in the night and shit people had to deal with back then. Uh, so there's, like, the hunting, you know, the hunters and the gatherers. Yes. Uh, so, the obviously, it's like you said, it focuses on this girl that wakes up. Um before we even get to this line stuff, it's just basically focusing on her and what is presumed to be her brother, who are talking about a great hunt. Um, it is assumed through the dialogue that the girl that we are following, whose name is, what is it, Lee? Nanib? 
Nanu? <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah, hold, give, give me a fucking second. <laughs> anyway. I got the internet. Naru. Yeah. So Tabe her, is her brother. Yeah, so Naru is talking to Tabe, and Tabe is talking about his great hunt. Uh, it seems to be implied that it's like a rite of passage for this tribe. Uh, essentially, you're hunting something that would hunt you. Uh, yeah. Naru is trying to convince him that uh, she is ready for such a task. And he is not super convinced, but at the same time, he's not discouraging her. When we go to the actual village and she's talking to her mother about this as well, it's not that her mother is discouraging her from becoming a hunter or one of those uh, kinds of uh, people in the village because, you know, everybody has to contribute. It's more of a fact that she's really good at medicine already and these other tasks that it just seems more practical for her to be like, you know, you should just focus on medicine and what you're already doing because you're really good at it. Um, but she has said in a very simple line, um, like, I want to do it because you guys don't think I can. Uh, yeah. And they don't push this. It's not like uh, totally forced as far like it's not mentioned every 30 seconds. It's not like people are going, what, you, a girl, be a hunter? Not in a million, like, there's not, there, nothing There's like only that. one scene like that. It's when, like, her, her brother's buddies, like, the rest of the hunting party, like, goes to basically kidnap her, uh, take her back to the village, and uh, she gets into that fist fight with Wasape or whatever. Yeah, and they don't uh, That's even... the only scene where they're like, get to the kitchen or whatever, but that's that's about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and, like, yeah, it's, like, one throwaway line, and it's kind of a dude anyway. Um, and it's, it's being said by, like, the jackass of the movie. Yeah, so, so like you said, so Tabe is pretty much, like, the head honcho of these hunters. He's not, he's not like, the war chief or anything like that, but he is uh, definitely looked upon as a very skilled warrior within the tribe. Um. So when Naru is just out and about at this point and she sees from the sky a giant invisible thing flowing yeah. through the air. Which Pink she, explosion invisible thing. Yeah, which she presumes to be a thunderbird, which in uh, Native American mythology, I believe, is like uh, some for, some deity, some form of... He's a um, caudal. <laughs> yeah, so that's a different religion, I want to say, or uh, um, people, maybe, um, Lee. Like when Ash sees the ho-ho. Oh. Yeah, yeah, like let's try to be a little bit respectful here. Uh, <laughs> what? Hey, what's more respectful than that? It, well, it's all it's all it's then, all the mythical yeah. bird, right? So, and, yeah. and as we know of the audience, obviously this is a predator ship coming down uh, to start his hump, uh, start his hunt, and that's where we get the logo. It says "Prey." All right, Lee, you can talk now. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, Reed set us up here, and then some. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, the, the any character progression happens very naturally. The the only discouragement comes from them being like, listen, it's fucking dangerous. And then they show you that with a guy being ripped apart by a lion and them having to take him back to the village, leaving uh, just just Naru, uh, her brother, uh, and this this other guy to fight this lion. It doesn't go great, but at the same time, uh, we also see the predator. Uh, this more feral looking predator has a different set of tools. Still, obviously, a space faring people. Uh, or, or whatever they are, uh, so that he's got a lot of the the gadgets, like the visor and stuff. Of course, it's it's movies, so you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit. Obviously, it looks better than the one the predator hundreds of years in the jungle has. Uh, we'll we'll let that go. But he doesn't have the shoulder uh, uh, mounted guns. He's got like a a targeting Tri- computer with some arrows. Yeah, it's like a triple barreled. Uh- heat-seeking arrow yeah. launcher, if you will. He's got the wrist, wrist swords, and he's got the uh, a, bu- a bunch of other staff, little, little staff, bells and whistles. a net, 
you're yeah. throwing stars to classic the staff that comes tools. apart and it's like a cudgel yeah uh, uh and yeah he's got and the nets he's got the yeah he has a more like uh it looks kind of like a bone mask than it does a metal mask yes. uh as far as people <laughs> being like is this like are these like more primitive versions like you have to presume since these guys still have spaceships and stuff it's not that case if you asked me uh there's been several interviews with the director and stuff and it's also kind of implied with how slowly the predator goes up the food chain on earth that this is like a very amateurish like first hunt kind of predator uh so it stands to reason kind of like if you were going into a sports program if you're first starting (laughs) out you're probably going to be given the shittiest equipment that they have you know what I mean? If you're starting sure. in hockey, you're going to get an old pair of fucking Jofas or CCM skates as opposed to a brand new pair of Bowers. You know what I mean? Uh, Absolutely. So that That's how I like to look. I, that's how I like to think about it. I think he they're like, all right, you have to prove yourself. You're going to go to this planet that's been uncharted. Uh, see what you can do here is you're not going to have the fancy top of the line stuff, but this stuff will be good enough to see if you can... Uh, you know, test your metal, and the fact that he also doesn't have any hard armor on also leads me to believe that reason. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the look of the predator in this. I think yes, the mobility and just the the it overall is maybe the best predator yeah, ever. Played by an NBA yeah. player, also. Sure. So lots of uh, lots of you know good mobility from that kind of guy. He's used to running and stuff like that. The suit uh, so is the- just better, in my opinion. So the other thing to talk about right off the bat is that the the movie has a look. It 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 looks good. Yes, it's, it's shot coherent. very well. Uh, the action is shot very well and very clear. Yes. Even though it's mostly taking place in like foggy woods, you you get a very good idea of what's going on. Uh, it's Dan Trachtenberg. Yeah, he directed like 10 Cloverfield Lane. He directed some episodes for The Boys. Trachtenberg. Uh, but yeah, like I when I was watching this, it reminded me a lot of shots, like not quite as art housey as something like uh, Wind River or Hell or High Water or something like that. But just the general idea of like, like, we're going to take our time. We're not going to just have tons of dialogue or obnoxious music. There's going to be lots of, like, just quiet parts, lots of uh, cuts away to scenery, uh, stuff like that. And like you said, yeah, it's it, it, the action is very clear and easy to read, which I, which it's very hard to get those nowadays. Uh, so I very much appreciate that. I think the action scenes excel in this movie. Uh, you definitely see some jank when it comes to, like, uh, some animal CGI. This is definitely a smaller budget movie, so the animals don't look as good as the Predator. But that's for good reason. They put all their money into the Predator, which they should have, and it paid off, in my opinion. I think Yeah. I think I, by by time the Predator has all his action scenes, he totally forgot about the bear anyway. So It's only worth complaining because the rest of the movie is not flawless, but pretty solid. Yeah. So that you're if you have to find a nitpick, you're like, ah, if, if anything breaks the immersion of this movie, it's this cartoon bear. Uh, but, but even then, I like yeah. I like the fact that I saw a bear and a predator fucking go yeah, well, at you, it. Exactly. You just you just, uh, you ha- either you can live with it or you can't, right? Like, yes, could they get a real bear and and really tighten up that CGI? Yeah, absolutely. Would it change? The, would it change your enjoyment of the movie? No, it would just be polish at that yeah. point. The the movie stands. Uh, the predator also we didn't mention is like the the super strength of the predator. Is, is focused on here as well. And they and he has that cool Kratos shield that comes out. We forgot about that. Yeah, so, yeah, like, uh, we, like we said, antiquated equipment, something that yeah. the Predators later in life may have thought that shields are either bullshit. Like, they started playing Bloodborne, and they're like, fuck shields, bro. Uh, 
it's so it, it's that or it's like they when they sent that predator there it was like they knew the level of technology humans had the maximum amount of technology oh and that was that was the limit you can't take your laser cannon because they don't have repeating oh, weapons yet Lee, you can't Ali, take your i yeah. love that theory that they yeah. surveyed the planet first and they were like this is the level of technology where you're going to so like we'll dumb you down at least to some kind of level where. He but then you have to ask about the the targeting computer that can shoot arrows sideways, right? But and like circles. But like to but, a predator though, like something that shoots three arrows as opposed to yeah. plasma bolts. Like, do predators it, can't see for shit? They they see yeah. awful. Like uh, so, us, if they it, don't it, have their us, visor, like to us, it'd be like downgrading from an AR fifteen to like giving you like a musket. Yeah. And 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 exemplified in this movie as well as the original is that the the predator if you are masking yourself in some way, uh, in the original movie with the mud in this movie she there's this yes. MacGuffin okay. of a plant that uh, cools your blood. Yeah, I'm glad uh, you mentioned that, and that's actually something that was pretty well done. Is that you know they established that she's really good at medicine, right? The main character, yeah. uh, so it stands the reason she, that she would know medication to cool the blood or uh, stop its flow, stuff like that. Uh, and so there's, it, a, it, there's a sink it, pit. Yeah, it totally uh, pays off. Uh, yeah. So, um, what was I about Everything's to say? Everything's set up. Everything's so, paid off. Yeah, if there's yeah. one other complaint I could give about the movie, something they established in the first two Prairie movies that they don't really in the others, including Prey, is that predators only really go to extremely hot and humid climates to hunt because of their vision, because they see specifically through their visors. Bro, you've been outside? Heat ray vision. <laughs> Yeah, I, if I'm he's just in the, if he's in the plains in, in the forest in August, I'm sure it's plenty sticky. Uh, yeah, I, but it didn't look that sticky. No one looked terribly sweaty in that movie. Um, the complaint is that people should be sweaty. I'm just saying they established that, like they that in the first Predator, they are in the South American jungle, like one of the hottest places on fucking Earth. The I believe they're in rain. Central America. Yeah, Central no, America. No, yeah. Cent- yeah, whatever it is, like rainforest, like <laughs> extremely yeah. hot humid people are sweating the whole fucking time dude and then uh predator 2 they make a very distinct point to point out that one lots of gang activity so lots of people to hunt and two a record-breaking heat wave in la like nothing they've ever seen before and if you watch that movie people are sweating the entire time nobody yeah that's desert heat that's not jungle heat that would be a dry I'm just saying, like extremely like high, Vegas. extremely yeah. high heats is where they go to. Um, it's just something I, gotcha. I would I would that's have a, liked a, to see continue. That's um, like a that's like a nerd complaint, though. Yeah, that's a nerd complaint for me, hundred yeah. percent. Um, but yeah, like like we said, the movie is just its gray strengths are that it's it's as simple as it needs to be, which is they just yep. they're they're like here's a very simple story. Uh, here's a very simple character arc of this character that wants to do this thing. They don't dwell on her story too much. It's not constantly going back to the village and having, like, like scenes of, like, the guys being like, where did Naru go? Oh, she went on her own. Let's go get her. Like, they don't need any of that unnecessary bullshit, um, which was very nice. Uh, when they do introduce, like, the French fur trappers, you know, they have a translator that shows up and you think, oh, great, like, this guy's going to stick around with Naru and be, like, the comic relief. Nope. Like, Naru is just like, Kate, peace, see you later after she gives him some medicine, and that's it. Uh, which is really nice change of pace, in my opinion. Um, well, he literally dies in the next scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the brother, for instance, fights with the Predator at some point. Uh, really, really good fight. Um, 
And then when he, uh, yeah, spoiler, when he passes away, um, <laughs> when he gets fucking murdered by the Predator. When he passes away. When he passes away. <laughs> when, he, when he gets murdered by the Predator, they do like a quick shot to the village and the mom seems sad. It's like all of 10 or 15 seconds, exactly yep. what it needed to be. That's all it needed to be. Yeah, and it went back and uh, Naru ran away. It was perfect. Uh, the only thing there I would have done personally is they established that when the Predator has great respect for their opponent, they will rip out their spine and their skull. Uh, it's something I think that he could would have done with Tabe personally, kind of like yeah. the, uh, and it would have been a callback to when he did it to Billy, uh, when uh, when well, the predator. So did here's it to the Billy. thing in Prey Reed is that he uh, the predator fights that wolf, and the wolf bites his leg, and then he rips the spine out of the wolf and yeah, saves because, his skull. Yeah, because he's like yeah. he's like this is a worthy opponent. I like you, you got he, me. So he got you, me. in your so it's almost a plot hole that he doesn't then do that to her brother but yeah, it would be also very awful up. for yeah. her to see her brother's skull get ripped out in front of her but yeah movies and that's know. also something and then something i also liked was how the native americans and the fur trappers uh i guess more so the native americans weren't like like screaming running away scared from the predator i liked how like, they were like, we don't know what this thing is, but that happens a lot to them at this point in time, so yeah. we're just going to attack it and see what happens. Uh, yeah, the the their mythos around the Predator is interesting, because they don't, like, just like the original movie uh, in, the, in the jungle, they don't call it an alien, they don't question too much where it's from, it's, it's what is it, and can we kill it? That's yeah. The, that's the, it's, it's a threat, we gotta take it out. And it's it almost all, seems, yeah. yeah. It almost seems for some of the Native American, some of the Comanche warriors, that it's like a, like it's like a test for them. Like they have, and they don't try to, like they attack it head on. At some point, yeah. two of them are attacking it together in tandem. Really nice action there. So That's yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I really like that shit. I liked how the the entire scene where a bunch of French fur trappers also they capture Naru briefly, and they're like, oh, we're gonna use you as bait to draw out the predator because the predator has been killing us on our fur on our fur trade routes. Uh, so they, there's a big action scene with the Predator. It's fucking awesome. He, like, tosses an axe up in the air and catches it to stick it in this guy's head. He fucking throws a net on this dude and, the, it, like, squishes all the way down. It's so well, awesome. Well, they did the classic, uh, the classic, we got the Predator in a net, we've won, and then the Predator just comes th- whirling dervish out of yeah, there. Yeah, but they did, uh, like, wound it with a couple bullets. Uh, they oh, yeah, the Predator, the fir- like, gets a beating in this. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, he gets his leg caught in, like, a bear trap, which they established, like, three times in the movie that these fucking yeah. bear traps bear are traps everywhere. Bear traps everywhere, man. Yeah, and they keep, like, hurting <laughs> everything. Uh, so by the time that Naru gets to it, her, like, her advantage is that throughout the movie she has been observing it, uh seeing its strengths and weaknesses and waiting t- for a point that she could actually like take care of it in a wounded area. She got a good headshot on it to uh, disorient it. She yeah, got yeah. Before you get there, off. the 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 uh, idea from the first movie that it or that they really drive home in this movie uh, that the predator is looking for like the apex predator on the planet to kill. So he's always watching. He's observing. Uh, a wolf and a rabbit, and has to wait until the point of the wolf killing the rabbit before he understands that the wolf is the predator. Um, yeah. He's constantly looking for the bigger, better thing, you know, leading up to a snake, a bear, uh, what have you, uh, and leading him to man, obviously. And then on top of that, uh, defenseless man versus uh, man with gun. Uh, and then yeah. our, our lead character here is is considered uh, 
to the predator to not be a threat even when she's armed uh, I, yes and no because i uh, i think that changes when he observes uh so oh, at some, at some by the point, time he, she is killing him he uh, understands no, it very well <laughs> even before that so at some point um the comanche tribe comes back to take uh naru and she fights with one of the members and one of the members is like okay fuck it just stay here if you want to die after he gets the shit kicked out of him and I think that's not when the predator was like, "I'm gonna hunt her," but when took note of her, if you will, yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. Yeah. But there's also a scene when he, the predator, kills her brother and then leaves her alive. Well, because she's running away, and he's like, "There's no sport in that." Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm talking about. Anyways, yeah. she gets a musket. She learns how to use it verbally, uh, and she blows the visor off the back of this this predator, uh, and, and like basically shoots him in the in the head. So the whole fight. Uh, it's like when someone had to fight Vince McMahon, so they had to like injure their leg beforehand. So you had to like, or Shane McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> to be like, I'm fighting Shane McMahon, and obviously I would destroy him, but my leg is hurt. Oh, you know what happened? You remember Walking Tall? Yes. Of uh, it was what, what was his name? Neil McDonald or whatever. The yeah, bad guy? Neil McDermott what, or something. Yeah, Total Boy, and then uh, Dwayne Johnson, and uh, for the for the final fight, Dwayne Johnson gets like a two by four cracked over his leg, so he's limping the whole time. And you're like, okay, well, this makes it more believable. Yeah, but, well, that, <laughs> that was definitely The Rock writing, writing that into his own contract. He's like, you yeah. know, if I'm gonna get the shit kicked out of me, it's because he like heel tactic fucking suckered me. <laughs> yeah. You know what he's I mean? Not gonna do a job to this old old man. Yeah, to fucking uh, the guy from uh, what was that? What was that time skip time movie with fucking Paul Walker? Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. Oh, this guy's in so like, many fucking movies. Yeah, to, like, fucking timeline. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. So, yeah, she she hurts the predator, disorientates. 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 Dis- Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> earlier in the movie, it's shown that she went through, like, a mud pit uh, that was sinking. A sinkhole, yeah. Yeah, like a sinkhole. So she lures it there, essentially, and she uses, uh, when she shot the predator, it shot his helmet off, and she knows that the targeting for the for the predator is on the yeah. helmet. So she's, she's watched him kill a lot of people with it. Yeah, so she sticks it on rocks near the mud pit, uh, and she lures the predator there. Uh, so the predator is like sinking. He has one arm. He has he's been shot in the head. Yeah. So as a last, she's, she's desperate, a number on him. Yeah. So as a last desperate move, he takes out his like with his one good hand, his like his bow shooter, his bolt shooter thing, and points it at her to kill her. But uh, he doesn't realize that. Um, his helmet is there. He thinks it's just like on the ground or destroyed, so he can just shoot it free, free aim, if you will. Uh, but he doesn't realize it's actually pointing right at his fucking head because of that. So the bolts just circle around and shoot himself. And then Naru uh, also gives off some. You got to have some clapping lines, Lee. She does the yeah. "Come on, kill me. I'm right here." Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So on, so uh, basically, just kills the predator there. Takes the predator's head. Which I don't know how she did that. Now I'm thinking about it because, the like it's like a two hundred three, it's like a five hundred pound body sinking into a mud pit, and she's like a buck thirty. Yeah, don't worry about it. So she threw uh, the she, axe with the rope in it, and then she pulled it. Yeah, so she takes the predator's <laughs> head, brings it back to, uh, brings it back to the village, and everybody's like, "Wow, she's really tough." And she's like, "Well, first, yep. first she's like, we got to move because there's white people." Yeah, uh, she throws the gun yeah. to the elder or whatever, and she's like, "We gotta go." Also, there's a there's like fucking boogeyman here, and then, yeah, that's, then she becomes the and that, that's the it. Cool that's kid, the movie. That's it, it. That's the movie. It was an hour and a half long. It was like perfect fucking pacing. Like we said, it did not dwell. 
no. on it did not dwell on her personal story or the village or anything like that too long just like the first predator did not it was all about the predator and and the hunt and that's what this movie was about it was all about the predator and the hunt and it was Perfect. a good flick yep. good recommendation uh the first predator uh, I forgot how the, the, the very final bit of the confrontation goes. Arnold Schwarzenegger basically gets boxed by the... Like, the Predator takes off all his guns and his mask and stuff and just starts beating the... Sh- just, like, just manhandling Arnold Schwarzenegger around the jungle until he Arnold Schwarzenegger climbs into his little hole there, uh, broken and beaten. And the Predator's like, I'm not going in that hole. I'm not no fucking idiot. So he goes around the other side. Uh, and then Arnold Schwarzenegger hits his own trap, which drops the counterweight, which crushes the Predator. This does not kill the Predator. Uh, then the Predator arms his bomb and gets the last laugh and, like, blows up the entire jungle. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger just gets on the helicopter and, and flies away sad. That's how that movie ends. Yeah, great movie. Pretty much the same. Uh, <laughs> pretty pretty much the same. It was like, what the fuck was that? Anyway, I guess moving on uh, because it's over. It's cool fucking movies man let's talk about video games though yakuza 4 uh me and reed both enjoying we're we're you know we're doing the wobbly h with the yakuza series right now me working my way up from the bottom reed starting at like a dragon which is now free on playstation plus Plus. as you listen to this go Go get get it it. yeah ps4 and ps5 free free doesn't cost you anything they're also going to add this is a, a free plug for PlayStation right now because I got the plus service or like the extra service. Uh, they're adding Yakuza Zero, uh, Kiwami One, and Kiwami Two to that service again pretty soon. So nice. Do yourself a flavor. All right, Yakuza Four uh, is a, a story that focuses on four protagonists and their interwoven story uh, of a large sum of money, uh, corruption in the Komorocho police force. And a weird jockeying of power within the Tojo clan and the Umi Alliance going back to, uh, like, going back several decades where this uh, really low-level Yakuza and Taiga Saijima shot up this cafe filled with, like, 18 people. Uh, But he was set up. He was given guns with fake bullets, or rather, yeah, rubber bullets or something like that. And no one in this place died. However, then... Uh, one of the guys there double crosses him, uh, who has set him up and shoots his own men. Uh, so Taiga Saijima does the time while this other guy does the crime. Uh, it kind of it kind of sets up the the corruption in the police force to be the real thing that needs to be taken care of in this game. And guess what? By the end of the game, all four protagonists uh, there's a lot of eye clap moments. Uh, they have their own bad guys to beat up. <clears throat> Things kind of resolve with Kiryu deciding. Uh, maybe I need to get back involved with the Yakuza, unfortunately. And then when Yakuza 5 starts, he's living in Fukuoka, Fukuoka rather, uh, which is in the western part of Japan to the northeast of uh, Okinawa, which is like the, the more resort uh, beachy area of Japan in terms of geography. Um, and he's driving a cab and he's got a fake name. And in the six months that passed between the games, something has happened. Uh, to cure you in his relationship with the Yakuza that he's now living in hiding uh, that uh, uh, is like a missing chapter kind of thing with like some flashback stuff that's super interesting because like any action movie sometimes you you know you get to Die Hard 3 and oh I thought everything was good at the end of Die Hard 2 but here's John McClane he's he's drunk he's on pills he's fucking slobbering and, and slurring his words and what the fuck happened man that's kind of where we're at here with Kiryu 
you know, maybe not being a drunk, but living a fake life, having a fake name, trying to uh, hold a low profile. And uh, where I'm at now, the it's it's a massive. They this is like kind of the big uh, inner fighting scenario between the Tojo Clan and the Umi Alliance with Omi, uh, <laughs> the, oh, Omi, 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 Omi. Uh, the the chairman is about to pass away, and there's going to be, of course, a power vacuum, and Tojo's at its weakest with uh, Daigo n- not having the same respect that previous chairman did, of course, one of them being Kiryu himself. Uh, so Ki- Kiryu's being goaded back into becoming chairman of the Tojo clan by the guy who wants to replace uh, the chairman of the Omi Alliance, and Daigo has gone missing. Daigo has come to Fukuoka to to try to make a alliance with a local Yakuza chapter, who who he turns out he's had a long relationship with, even asking the chairman of that family. We wouldn't be a chairman. He's just the, the patriarch of the family because they're not a sitting family or whatever. Uh, he gave his own daughter to Kiryu, basically, as like a comfort while Kiryu was living there and also to spy on Kiryu. So Kiryu also has this weird romance plot where he's like, this this woman has fallen in love with him, but she was sent there to love him, uh, to, to get close to him kind of thing from this... Man, it's pretty good, and it's really interesting that five games in, uh, it, it has this level of intrigue, and that, you know, Kiryu still does it. Like, he's still... it's He's plenty of protagonist, but I know in the back end of this game you're going to be able to play as some of the, uh, the other characters from the previous Yakuza games as well. The intro movie... To this particular, you know, there's like the all the cutscenes are kind of yeah, like yeah. cut together with the beginning. Is so fucking hype, like the stuff it teases later in the game. I'm like, oh my god, the fuck, this looks fucking awesome. It's like Goku and Vegeta joining forces and just laying waste to fucking Cloud and Sephiroth back to back. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm really enjoying Yakuza Five. And as much as I am in a rush to get to Like a Dragon and and current with Yakuza and play these great games that are waiting for me, I'm in I'm in really no rush uh, to get through something like Yakuza Five. I'm I'm taking my time. I'm doing all the taxi missions. I did all the side quests I could. Uh, I'm engaging with the game as much as I have all the other games in the series. I cannot recommend people go and check out this fucking series enough. Start with Yakuza Zero, uh, and and go up from from there with the Kiwami games, and then for three, four, and five, you know. Three's a tough sit, uh, just mechanics-wise. Give it a try, because it's going to be cheap to find somewhere or free on Game Pass or some shit. Um, but four and five get better. Six uh, is you know more or less a return to form of what Kiwami Two will have been by that time if you played them in order. And then you get to Like a Dragon and read. That's where you come in. How good is Like a Dragon? Like a Dragon is probably one of the better JRPGs I have ever played. Um, wow. I definitely- Played another good four hours or so yesterday. I think I'm getting towards the end of the game now. Um, the plot is heating up. I, I can't say literally anything. Uh, otherwise, I'll spoil all the good stuff. But I appreciate that. The the plot <laughs> is is very uh, you know interwoven between politics, uh, crime, like various different organizations, not just yakuza ones. Um, you know betrayal. Like, I would say a big theme of this game is fatherhood, as far as uh, Like a Dragon's concerned. Uh, it's it's definitely a huge part of the theme. This game has made me cry, like, three fucking times already now. Uh, like, I had it audibly, and I'm not, like, streaming this game or anything like that, just playing my <laughs> playing by myself. But yesterday, I had a fucking dead-to-rights gasping moment during, like, a, like a plot reveal. <laughs> I was like... 
He's like, oh! I was like, no fucking way! Um, and, like, there's been other points. You know when, like, something happens in a game that, like, is genuinely heart-crushing and you just go, no! No, no, no. That yeah. fucking happened. Like, like, all these emotions are happening with this game. Um, like, I've talked about the gameplay and stuff like that enough, so I feel like I don't really need to touch upon that again. Yeah. Um, the... Just, the- just- way the game is structured with the side quests and the mini games and stuff endears the characters to you so much and then when you go to do the main quests and like fucking real serious shit starts happening to them you're like oh fuck oh, and, no. yeah and not and not just that especially in like a dragon because it does have that you know kind of persona fire emblem style of uh, relationship that you go through with your party members uh the more you uh participate in battles with them or have conversations with them or you know have meals with them increase your bond level and each bond level there's five for each character you learn a bit more about a personal story for them uh at the end of that story you're usually resolving a conflict for them uh it can be something as serious as like uh one character is trying to deal with an ex-gang member uh who tried to kill him or something like that but he still like loves him like a brother Uh, or something as not as serious as like one other character uh, has always loved like this other person at their old workplace, but they've never had the courage to say anything. Um, but at the end, like you, you gain this big respect with these characters between Ichiban and all these other characters. Uh, so when he has like, you know, these talking moments that it's a little bit like shonen when he's talking about how he, like he has his friends and that's all he needs and stuff like that. Like it is a bit cheesy, but like it really works in this case. Like it works in like a persona game because you have spent so much time with these characters that they're really endearing. And it's also a little bit better in like a dragon because Ichiban's such a fucking goofball too that like, I don't know, it just works for him because he's an idiot. So it's just all great. But yeah, like I said, I think I'm getting towards the end of this game. I think I might even be done to- by the end of this weekend potentially. Wow. I'm not sure. Yeah, like if if I'm going off what others have beat the game at, which is about sixty hours, I'm at about like just over fifty hours right now. Uh, and like I said, the plot is heating up. A lot of like events have transpired in a short amount of time now. There's this like man. There's this one fucking cutscene in this game that like when I first watched it, I was like that was a good cutscene. And then a thing happened later, and like thinking back on that cutscene, I was like, like fucking. Like, slow clap. Holy shit. That was some of the best fucking video game directing I've seen in a long fucking time. How he handled that fucking cutscene. Holy shit. I was blown away retroactively. And that doesn't happen a lot in video games. Um, So, yeah. Like I said, Like a Dragon, it's free on PSN. I fucking urge you to play it. You don't need to know uh, the previous Yakuza games to appreciate this. Uh, If you do, you're going to appreciate it even more. There's definitely lots of things that Lee, like you, are going to lose your fucking mind over being a fan of the first uh, seven Yakuza games, zero through six. Um, Like, even I, with my passive knowledge, there's definitely a bunch of moments where I just went like, holy shit, let's fucking go. Um, As a side note, also, one one of the better video game OSTs I've heard in a bit, it's definitely like, you know, that Japanese hardcore dubstep techno shit. But in this case, it totally works in a lot of cases. It gets you really hyped up for big fights. Uh, so, yeah, nothing but good things to say about Yakuza Like a Dragon. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, Reed, there's so much news 
there's so much other games uh, I've played in amongst uh, the the Yakuza, uh, but we're gonna wrap it up for today. Uh, we're we're back in the swing of things. Next episode, we're gonna run down everything else we possibly played, and then get back to our JRPG. Uh, disc- d- general discussion that we started uh, last week or two weeks ago. What is time anymore? Yeah. Uh, but it's been a slice. Uh, so yeah, in in summary, go check out Prey. Go check out these old those old X Men movies. Go check out uh, Yakuza, which is free. Yeah, the entire series. Yeah, do the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Honestly, no regrets uh, playing all those games. My only regret is I didn't play them as they came out, so I could not have to play them in such a chunk like this. Yeah, I and can't then you, you got to play yeah. Dead Souls and because <laughs> uh, strangely Kazan. enough, I've played Dead Souls. Yeah, but there's all the the feudal Japanese ones spinoffs. Yeah, there's Judgment. There's yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there together. At Iceberg Podcast is us on uh, Twitter. Lee at tessieiceberg.com is our email address. Send us questions, topics, things you find interesting. We find interesting. Just completely coming off the rails here at the end. Uh, Reed, thank you for joining me this this Saturday morning. The Public Beta Podcast will be back, so as always, thanks for signing up. For myself, Lee, that's been the show. So, bye. Hey, thanks for signing up. It's the public beta bot. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) What was up with that?